It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Friday Ask OJ edition from Miami, Florida. Should the Jazz make sure they keep their pick? But this is a bad draft, isn't it? Love this question. Who's better, Ochai Abaji or Bryce Sensabaugh? Should I be worried about Walker Kessler? And how do you make this fun? Plus, we'll try to do a points game Friday as well. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. Pow. Oh, how about a double pow? You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is an Ask LOJ edition, and the questions are in. They're fabulous, and we're live, so we may get some more questions coming in. Live today, should the Jazz keep their pick at this point? We'll look at it, whether there's actually a ch- chance on it. Isn't it a bad draft, though? Why did we trade Simone Fontecchio, people want to know. Love this question. Is Who's better, Ochai Abaji or Bryce Sensabaugh? Should have I worried about Walker Kessler? This is hard to watch. What can I look for? And how much did we lose from not making the playoffs? Those are the questions that I've got lined up for you. Plus, we've got a points game. Plus, we're live, so we may get more questions that come in. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. Thumbs up buttons are greatly appreciated. And to the everydayers out there, you're simply the best. We miss you. Can't wait to be back in the arena with you on Tuesday when we get or Monday when we get back as well. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Thanks so much for those of you that are with us live. Those of you who are tuned in every day, I, I do love it. All right, let's get right to it. It's your show. You guys always do a fabulous job about this. Should the Jazz make sure they keep their pick? This is kind of the number one thing on everyone's mind. Let me give you a background. If you do not know about this, this is how this works. The Utah Jazz pick currently sits that if they draft 11 through 30, the pick goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. If the Jazz finish 1 through 10, they keep their pick. And then the next season, it is still what's called encumbered. In other words, next year, if the Jazz finish 1 through 10 again, they keep their pick. But if it goes 11 through 30, Oklahoma City gets it. And if they are 1 through 10 and it goes to the next year, it's encumbered still. This time, it's 1 through 8 protections. And 9 through 30 goes to Oklahoma City. And if they're 1 through 8 again, we all pull our hair out because 
we're four years into a rebuild and we've been taking top 10 picks every year, possible. And we, instead, we end up, uh, uh, then it becomes two seconds. So, I mean, if you want the maximum pick protection, we just should keep losing for a bunch of years. So the question is, here's why it's a question. If the Jazz pick is encumbered, then they're limited in what they can trade and what picks they can trade. They can actually trade it with the protections. They could trade it one through if it comes up one through ten to somebody. Um, but that's almost impossible. The so they but they're limited because they don't control their own pick. The Jazz cannot trade their own first round pick until a year removed from the encumberments, which I 2026. So the Jazz can't trade until their their own pick until 2028 until they get used as picks. So it is to some extent it it hurts them and makes it difficult uh, for them. Um, So that's why there's a question. Um, Now, why not just take the pick now? Um, So here's what, here's how, why that, so that's the debate. The debate is, the advantage of giving the pick to Oklahoma City now is that then we're not encumbered and we can we can get out from under this and all that. Um, however, on the flip side, you want to pick. So my answer to this, and I've been a little wishy-washy all season long. At this point, my answer is, yeah, we should probably keep our pick. We have Cleveland's pick and Minnesota's pick next year. So we already have two picks, probably going to be in the middle to lower half of the draft. It's insurance in case something goes wrong next year. Like the fact that we have it next year protected one through 10 means if something disastrous goes wrong next year, somebody gets injured, team doesn't develop, probably somebody gets injured, that kind of thing. Then we can, we still have a a top 10 pick. We still have that. And at this point, let's go get it. We're currently sitting at 11. Atlanta, who is incentivized to win and stay in the play-in, is a half a game at 10. Houston, whose pick is going to Oklahoma City unless it's one through four, and so it's kind of guaranteed to go to Oklahoma City, is incentivized to win. They're at nine. Brooklyn, whose pick is unprotected completely, is at eight. They're incentivized to win. And then the really interesting one is Toronto, is at seven, and their pick is one through six protected. And so they're actually incentivized to lose. So I think the Jazz could probably get to eight here. Brooklyn, Houston, Atlanta could all move ahead. Now, Brooklyn is four games in the win column behind the Jazz. So that's a big lift. And here's the nasty one. If the Jazz get to nine, they're probably safe. But if they get to 10, and by some fluke, and it's not a total fluke, because the way it works is there's about a 22% chance. This gets a little geeky. But if the Jazz are at 10, there is about a 22% chance that the Jazz, maybe even 23 would get bumped out of 10 to 11 in the lottery. The the 11, 12, 13, or 14 pick goes to top four in the lottery, and then the Jazz slide to 11. So the Jazz really need to get to nine 
to make sure that if, in fact, somebody jumps top four, then all of a sudden in the lottery, that the Jazz don't slip down to 11. The other one, by the way, is if the Jazz get to nine, there's a 20% chance you get a top four pick. That's the way the lottery works now. So there's, yes, at this point, unfortunately, I would say yes, it's advantageous for the Jazz to make a conscious effort to keep their pick. That's my take. One, there's a real upside. If you get to nine, it's a 20% chance of a four pick, top four pick. Two, it's an asset. We're not making the, we're too close. You got to do it. Three, it's insurance in case something goes wrong next year. Four, if we have to convey a pick, let's do it next year when we already have two picks that are like that in Cleveland and Minnesota. If we're at 15 next year and we give up that pick and we're still getting 17 and 21, that seems fine. So that's my take. Now, the next question that came in is, isn't it a bad draft? So why do we care? So I think we need to change the phrase on bad draft to it doesn't have a headliner. If that makes sense. It doesn't have a headliner. It doesn't have Victor Webanyama. It doesn't have Scoot Henderson. Eh. It doesn't have that. But there's, I was talking to guys yesterday. Hey, I see good players every day. There's good players almost every day. Um, And so that, you have to go find them, right? We talked about the draft a few weeks ago of Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, and Jaden McDaniels. They're all in the 20s. Three really good players. Like, it's a 50-50% crapshoot after the 11th pick of the draft in the first round to be able to get a rotation player. But that doesn't mean they don't exist. That means actually it's 50-50. So you've got to be good enough to go find your guy. So when we say it's a bad draft, I don't really buy that it's a bad draft. I buy that there's no headliner. That's fine. But we'll see how good they turn out to be. Next question. Why did we trade Simone? All right. I actually think this one hasn't been talked about enough. This one's really interesting to me inside baseball, as they say. So here's what happened, at least in my opinion. Detroit calls. Detroit is 8 and 80. And they say, we want to trade for Simone Fontecchio. You're like, that's weird. You're 8 and 80. You're not trying to win right now. You're not trying to get better. You're, you have, no, or maybe you're trying to get better. You have nothing to play for right now. Why are you trading for a veteran 30-year-old guard or forward on your roster right now at the trade deadline? Why would why would Detroit do that? Let's put ourselves in Detroit. Detroit is eight and eight million. Why would they possibly make this trade? Because if they, they want Simone Fontecchio. So they have two ways of getting Simone Fontecchio. One is in the offseason, they give an offer sheet to the Utah Jazz that has to be big enough, big enough, that the Jazz won't match it. Okay? Now, I don't know what the Jazz were going to play Simone, but Detroit, who has $70 million of cap space, is got two choices. One is that they decide that they're going to be get big enough offer sheet to Simone that we don't match it. So let's call it a four-year, $40 million offer and we decide we don't want it. Or four-year, 50. Let's go four-year, 50. That's probably a better number. So we don't match that. That's too much, too many years to do that. 
by trading for Simone Fontecchio. Detroit has Simone. They now, the world knows they're going to match any offer sheet that he's given, which quiets the market. And I'll bet you they signed Simone for a four year, $40 million deal. And they saved themselves $12 million, maybe more, by giving up a second round pick to the Utah Jazz so that they hold the rights to Simone. They have the matching. And now the market's been muted because everyone knows they're going to match and they don't have to go out and get him. And so they are going to get Simone for somewhere between probably, I would guess, 10 to $15 million less than it would have cost Detroit to go get him in the market next year. So that's why Detroit did it. So why did the Jazz do it? Because they knew Detroit was going to offer more money than was right for the Jazz at this stage as much as they might like Simone. And they then got an asset for it. It's not just oh, we think Simone is, uh, it's not as simple as we think the first pick of the second round is better than Simone. It's our choices. The two choices were we're losing Simone in the offseason for nothing or we're getting a first pick of the second round for Simone and he goes. And Detroit's options were we'll get Simone in the offseason plus $15 million, or we'll give up a second round pick and get Simone and save $15 million. That's how that worked. It's really interesting, I think. I think it's one of the more interesting things. I don't think it's been talked about a lot. All right, three great questions to start it off on the live show uh, Friday edition today. We'll continue through, get more for you. We're just getting started on Locked on Jazz. Should I be worried about Walker Kessler? And I love this question. Who's better, Ojai Abaji or Bryce Sensabaugh? Not that simple, but I love that second-level thinking by Jazz fans. We'll talk about it when we come back. And continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's Locked on Jazz is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. They've been a sponsor for Locked on for probably eight years now. And it's just with great pleasure that I can tell you about my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. Why? One, because I've bought three Hyundais since they've been sponsoring. So I clearly believe in what I'm telling you about. Two, because Blake Murdoch and the Mur- Ben and Tyson and the Murdoch family just really good people that want to be members of the community. And I still go back to COVID when Blake said to me, we're not upcharging people. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm not going to church and seeing someone that I took $3,000 from because I could. It's a, it tells you who they are. They call it the no regrets approach. They want to make sure that you have no regrets about being involved with the Murdoch family. And even more than that, the Hyundai cars, just fabulous. The SUV lineup is simple. It starts with the Kona, goes to the Tucson, then the Santa Fe, and then the gorgeous Palisade. Beautiful increments along the way, all great safety ratings, all fabulous cars. I'm driving the Tucson right now. I've bought two Santa Fe's, and I'm envious of anyone who has the Palisade. Then there's the electric cars, the Ionic 5, which I purchased in my primary car when I'm not driving the Tucson. And it is the Ionic 6, which is the sporty, hot-looking electric sedan. And they've both won every award imaginable. So head over to Murdoch Hyundai, but email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock 09 at gmail.com so I can give you the VIP treatment that you deserve and we'll make sure that you get taken care of over at Murdoch Hyundai 4646 South State Street also in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel doing fabulous fun things. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. FanDuel.com slash 
Locked On. That's right. If you're getting into the action right now, boy, if you got into the action last night, that was crazy. If you listened to the end of our play-by-play last night, our game floated on one side of the line to the other side of the line throughout the whole thing. It was kind of bonkers. So here's the deal with FanDuel right now. If you are a new customer, FanDuel wants to take care of you and get you into the game and let you have a little extra to play with. So new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. $150. It's your bet wins. Quick bets, live game props, FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can get into any of the action. Cleveland plays Detroit today. They've got a fun parlay that involves a bunch of our friends. Donovan to score 25 points or more. Donovan to make three threes or more. Simone to make three threes. And they also have Cade Cunningham to record eight plus assists. They give you these fun little popular shame gay parlays. It's always a lot of fun. Plus, they've got the golf wagers out. Rory McIlroy's plus 550. Kevin Yu is at plus 1,000 in the golf round today. And then you could also have fun in like live betting McIlroy to hit a second shot within 10 feet or less in hole six. All sorts of fun things like that. It's a great deal. It's over at FanDuel. Everyone's having a blast. So why don't you be a part of it as well? Over to our good friends over at FanDuel giving you same day bets, all sorts of fun, live betting, and the rest. It's fanduel.com slash locked on to get you involved. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Thank you so much to all the everydayers, and thank you to everyone's with us live today on the show. Glad to have you aboard. By the way, we launched the first ever 24 7, the 24 7. Uh, national sports channel. It's called Locked On Sports Today. It's also now available on Amazon Fire TV. All right. I thought this was an interesting question. Who's better, Ochai Abaji or Bryce Sensabaugh? And a little bit of what you're saying in this question, I like this, is by trading Ochai, we opened up minutes for Bryce Sensabaugh. So my first thing is that there's no question to me that Ochai is a better player today. Okay. Ochai's, right now, if you want to win a basketball game and you're going to roll out Ochai Abaji or Bryce Sensabaugh, you're going to win today. Now, on April 20th, when the year comes to an end, Ochai Abaji turns 24 years old. And Bryce Sensabaugh turns, is 20. So I think that in and of itself, is an interesting question. I just realized that Bryce, uh, his name is spelled wrong in our thing right there. Um, So, Bryce turns 21 in October. He's 20. He's four years younger than Ochai. Four. That alone might skew my decision. I'm about as big an Ochai Abaji fan as you get. Ojai's body is way better. He's 6'5", 215. So that's the first question. Can Bryce Sensabaugh get from 6'6", 235 to 6'6", 225? Can he, can he get a little lighter on his feet and become that kind of level of player? Or just body-wise? That, but at, night, at 20, yeah, sure. Ojai's body's better because he's four years older. The second one is, I think Sensabaugh will be a better shooter. At this point, Ochai is shooting 34.5%. And I think we've seen through G League and late year last year and some things on him that 
Ochai's role is going to be a 15-minute-a-night, 20-minute-a-night, off-the-bench, 3-and-D kind of guy. I, I don't think it goes further. He just doesn't have enough other aspects to his game at this point. And I don't... Setsubah's interesting. I really liked Bryce out of the draft. His legs are definitely heavy right now. He is not an elite athlete getting off the floor. He had a bad night last night in Orlando, but I'm not going to worry about anybody on a homecoming, and I'm not going to make a decision off a day. I thought he had the whole package offensively, and I think he's a really good shooter. So if I had to... At college, as a 19-year-old, and I really think this is how you have to comp these guys. As a 19-year-old, Sensabaugh shot 48% from the field in college, 41% from three, and 83% from the free throw line, averaged 16 points and five rebounds. As a comparable 19-year-old at Kansas, the Ojai averaged 10 points. He shot 42% and 34% from three, and 67% from the free throw line. Ojai's college free throw shooting is very disturbing on whether he ever projects to be a good pro three-point shooter. And Ojai's inability to hit above the break three projects stronger in the research I did on than if he's an above uh, than his corner three shooting. So I did a big research project on Ochai that, hey, if you're a really good corner three shooter, does that mean you become a very good above the break three-point shooter? And the answer was actually no, you don't. So I actually might say if I was the Jazz and I had to place a bet right now, I think I'd bet the 19-year-old Bryce Sensabaugh is going to become a better player than the 24-year-old Ochai Abaji. But we'll see. But I had not thought about it. A little bit, that's what the Jazz did. The Jazz used Ochai to go get a first-round pick opening up the door for Bryce and to some extent saying, you know, as long as Ochai's here and Bryce is here, we got to decide. And this is going to be a game we have to keep playing time and time again, which is we're going to have to keep deciding because with all these picks, you have to decide. Both of these guys should be in the NBA for a decade. Uh, Ochai's got a long career. Ochai's going to be a long NBA player. I'd be really surprised. His body's perfect. He's got to make shots, though. That's the only, like... Ochai not making shots, not being a shot creator, not being a dribble driver, not being a particularly good rebounder. Like, if he doesn't make shots, that's that that actually could derail his career. I hope not. I'm a huge fan. Um, and I think Ochai's... I, I actually am not convinced I know where Ochai is as a defender. I think he'll get there. How's that? His body's too good not to, and his athleticism's not too good not to. His want to's there. Um... I'm not sure I actually think he was that great a defender for us, but I, it's hard to tell. I can't. Oh, d- defense is hard. Bryce is a bad defender right now. He's a rookie who needs to lose, get more athletic. Like, okay, like I got that. Like, that's easy. I can tell you. I, I, I can win almost every bet if I just say, um, if I can just say every rookie's a bad defender, I'll, I'll be brilliant. Uh, let's go to the next question. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't actually have that one up. Uh should I be worried about Walker Kessler's development and his future role with the franchise? So I have two kind of answers here. One is no. And then two is, well, what are you expecting? So one is project progress is not linear. Rookies who have a good first year don't usually have a better second year. They have a better third year. That's very common. Um, 
So Walker's stagnated a little bit from his first year to his second year. I would agree with that. However, on the other end, like Walker's still the number one or two rim defender inside six feet in the NBA. So to say he has stagnated, I think it's a little unfair. Um, the other one that I am really, really encouraged about with Walker, honestly, and I think has a massive impact is how much better his free throw shooting is recently. So he doesn't go to line very much, but if you go back, I think his last, you know, 11, 12 games, Walker's free throw shooting has, has been good. And if Walker's free throw shooting is good, I think he'll be more aggressive around the basket, doing things, having an impact. Um, the question on Walker is really, really simple. In the modern NBA of space, how do you we make sure that Walker can have an impact offensively? Walker's impact defensive. There's two things. Walker's. I'd like to make sure that Walker's defense gets good enough that it has an impact. Right now, we're better with Walker on the floor, but not a lot. And, like, the way Rudy used to be, like, oh, if you have Rudy, you have a top 10 defense. Like, that's what you'd love out of Walker. As as uh, Will talked about it a lot last year, he believed Walker was the cornerstone of a defense for a team. Like, I, I that's, that's what you want out of Walker. I think he can do that. And then number two is, can he be a, a positive, figure out how to play with him offensively? And he's got to become a big, pick, better pick setter. He's got to be better around the rim. He's got to be a little stronger. Like, Nick Claxton's good enough. Jared Allen's good enough. I think that's your standard instead of Rudy Gobert. But he can be a massive defensive impact while being Nick Claxton, Jared Allen. Those players are good. Jared Allen's really good. There's no reason Walker can't do that. So I don't think you should be worried. And I don't think, like, he's still young. And I so I don't think that projection like I don't know what you expected out of him this year I think we all got a little excited um, but it's not uncommon at all for Walker to be similar to he was last year I'm gonna change the word from stagnate because I don't think he's stagnant I think his free throw shooting's better I think his rim defense is better I mean he's 81 percent for the line in his last 12 games I, I'm really excited about that that's that I think changes who he is as a player because if he suddenly has confidence in the line he'll have power to the basket in a different way and we're seeing that already so, no, I wouldn't be too worried unless you think he's going to be like he's not Rudy. Rudy's going to go into the Hall of Fame. All right, points gained and a few more questions coming your direction as we continue to roll through here on Locked on Jazz. Locked on Jazz today is brought to you in part by our friends over at Prize Picks. Great way to get involved, have some fun, pick more or less each and every day and see what you can find. Right now, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. PrizePix is the number one daily fantasy sports app in America with over 3 million members. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Simple. It's you against the numbers. Pick more or less than on two to six stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's demon time as well on prize picks. You can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into a thousand. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins give you different payouts and you can win 100 times your money with as little as four Correct picks, players, and stat types you're selecting. Highlight your winnings. Have, have a great time with it. It's all at Prize Picks. So go to PrizePicks.com/slash/lockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for your first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. 
Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen today. Thanks hello to the live crew out there. I think you guys are chatting amongst yourselves a little bit. Uh, nice to have you there. Somebody was saying with a bad misspelling that Kessler's closer to Jakob Pertl than Rudy Gobert. I think that's fine. He's a better rim defender than Jakob Pertl, but that would be, Jakob Pertl's good. Like, that would be great. Um, so, um, on that. By the way, uh, Nolan made a good point on Bryce versus Ochai. Bryce has the bad knees. That's why he slipped in the draft. So that, you have to put that in the equation that that could be, um, that could be a problem. So uh, the other question, by the way, just so you really think about it, Bryce Sensabaugh and a late first round pick or Ochai Abaji, who's better? That's the trade, but that's not what the conversation was. I loved the conversation. I like those. Like, I think that's, that's exactly what our front office is doing. They're sitting around talking about those kind of things. All right. Here's the question I think that actually is on everyone's mind and I, I get it and I, I understand. And that is like, this is hard to watch. What can I do to make it more enjoyable? I got it. So, yeah, if you're like going in every night, we're going to win. I'm going to get my gusto out of wins. I think this is going to be a tough stretch. I I don't think there's a lot of wins coming. Uh, The schedule's brutal. We're not playing. Our biggest strength was we were playing 240 minutes every night. We're not playing 240 minutes anymore. So we don't have our biggest strength. We, you know, we went from a team that had like one top hundred player and a bunch of depth and we'd play 240 minutes and his teams were missing guys and they were short guys. We played Milwaukee and they're playing a bunch of guys that aren't NBA players. We're playing Philly and they're playing a bunch of guys that aren't NBA. Well, now we're doing it. Right. Like, you know, we, we had Lucas Samanich and Bryce Sensabaugh playing a bunch of minutes. Those are not established rotation players in the NBA. Taylor's going to be an NBA rotation player. He's probably not established right now. It's a lot of non established NBA rotation minutes in the NBA. And I'm giving Keontae the benefit of the doubt. And I generally don't give rookies the status of being an established NBA player in their first year. Good teams don't play rookies. They just don't for a reason. So, you know, we're just playing a ton of minutes that are not NBA minutes. Well, we only have one top hundred player in the NBA. Maybe Collins merged himself into being a second one. It's not a script for a lot of wins. And then you add a schedule that's brutal. It's just not like, I think we'll be favored three more times the rest of the way. So I got you. So if that's your way, if that's your enjoyment every night is like, so I think you're looking for the following things. Play hard. Did that last night. I thought like Keontae last night against Jalen Suggs was a heck of a lesson for him. And, and he did a really good job and he played it really well and he got better and he improved as the, as the game went on and he dealt with it. And I think that's interesting. Taylor every night's interesting. Like Taylor's gone from guarding a million guys different guys. He's guarded Brandon Miller. He's guarded Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's guarded Victor Webinyam, and He's guarded Paulo Bancaro. Woo! Like, watching him go through that, I think, is really interesting. Um, the uh, Lowry, I think, uh, trying to learn how to be a one-on-one go-to guy. Like, I thought he had a move last night where he swung through and owned his space really, really well. Um, I thought... Uh, was an important moment in time. So I think that's, there's a, I think there's, you got, it's, yeah, it's a little esoteric. I'm with you. Did we lose by not a lot by not making the playoffs or getting play in, uh, in regards to experience? Here's, I actually would say, so my answer to this specifically, and I, this is a good example of where I try not to duck questions. If I was trying to duck a question, I would just say no. I, I think the answer to this is no. Here's where I do think we could lose something. Playing important games matters. I really do believe that. Playing important games matters. 
up to this point, we've generally played, we played about 56 important games. I'd call it 58. We're, we're teetering on the line of whether our games are important right now. Right? Last year, it went on for a little while, and then it fell off, and the last set of games just didn't feel that important. You weren't really playing for a play in, and we're probably past that right now. We traded three rotation players. We're probably not playing for play in anymore. Right? We're sliding out of that. So that's the only area where I think you could lose something here is that playing important games really matters. And we're probably going to play some less important games. The specific question, playoffs are playing, honestly, I think we would have played one play in likelihood is we would have played no play in games. The second most likely scenario is that we were going to play one play in game and lose. And the third case scenario is we're going to play two playing games. It would have been fun for us to have the 20-game journey to try to get there. I'd actually think the odds were we weren't going to get there. Our differential didn't say it. There wasn't any data point that said we were going to get there. And then the next side of it is that so it would have been fun for us. And then I just think the play and experience would be really limited. So if you want me to be just totally honest and not totally answer your question, but did we lose anything? Yes. I think we could lose some important games down the stretch. Okay, let's do points gain to wrap this baby up on a Friday. Thank you for your questions. For the season, the number one points gain player in the NBA continues to be Joel Embiid. If you are new to points gained, here's how it works. We take the amount of scoring opportunity a player has on a given night. We take score, scoring opportunities to shots, free throw attempts, basic times where the they, they play to score. What... How many points would the average play, a collection of average offensive players in the NBA do with those possessions? Players whose points gained is like basically zero. Those players might not be what you define as average, but they're Devin Vassell, Tyus Jones, Cameron Johnson, Jalen Brown. Uh, players you would recognize. Joe Ingles, actually, interestingly enough, is, is there this year. So Jared Vanderbilt, Kevin Herter is at a zero. There's a bunch of players that are there. Those are. So we give all these possessions to those DeAndre Ayton, those types of players. And what would they score compared to what this player scores with those possessions? So Joel Embiid is plus 3.5. So with the 27 scoring opportunities, Joel Embiid gets a year. He scores 3.5 points more than what the average players would be. There are two things we're valuing here. One is the ability to get a shot off. It's a great skill. And two, the efficiency by which you do it. So here are. Every year, by the way, there's about three players that are over three, and there's about 10 players that are over two. And the principal belief here, by the way, is that negative offensive players are far more detrimental than anyone in the league realizes. That's been my thesis, and it's even more true as offenses get better. So here are the best players in the NBA. Three players over three. We're exactly where we always are. Joel Embiid at 3.5, Giannis at 3.4, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 3.3. Shea should be a real MVP candidate. Nikola Jokic is at 2.7. Chris Depps Porzingis at 2.4. Kevin Durant, 2.4. Luka Doncic, 2.3. These names make sense to you. Damata Sabonis, 2.2. Jared Allen at 2.0. Why Jared Allen would be a great model for Walker Kessler. Kawhi Leonard at 2.0. Steph Curry, 2.0. And former Jazz man Grayson Allen. Lowry Markin has slipped to 1.9, as is Carl Anthony Towns. Daniel Gafford now in Dallas is a 1.9. Jalen Smith in Indiana hasn't played in a while. Other players, a bunch of centers. Chet Holmgren keeps working up the list. Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, James Harden's at 1.5. Why they're so good. 
Mo Wagner, 1.5, very underrated last night. Now, uh, negative offensive players who actually play, playing 26 minutes a night. Scoot Henderson is a minus 2.6. So the 10 best offensive players who are two or better, Scoot Henderson negates them completely. Playing 29 at Jordan Poole at minus 2.2 is the third most negative impact offensive player. Cody Martin is a minus 2.1. Jalen Green in Houston's a minus 2.0. Jordan Clarkson is a minus 2.0. So for all the Lowry positives, Jordan's negating all of them. Uh, Dariq Whitehead has not played much. Anybody? Xavier Tillman, who was traded to Boston, is a minus 1.8. Nikola Vucevic is a minus 1.8 in Chicago. Shaden Sharp's a minus 1.7 in Portland. Karis Levert always is on this list. He's a minus 1.6. Russell Westbrook is a minus 1.6, as is Killian Hayes. Last 10 games of the NBA. Oh, let's just do jazz for the season for you. Here are the jazz for the season points gained. You also, if we include our old players, you'll see what happened to us offensively and why we're having uh, points gained. Explains the Jazz very well right now. Uh, Lowry's a 1.9. Walker's a 1.0. Colin Sexton's a 0.9. John Collins is a 0.5. Great. keep That's fabulous. Chris Dunn's a minus 0.2. Bryce Sensabaugh's a minus 0.4 right now. Taylor Hendricks a minus 0.5. Keontae George is a minus 1. That's totally fine for a rookie. In fact, it's good. Taylor Horton Tucker minus 1.4. Jordan Clarkson minus 2. Kelly Olynyk was a plus. So you've taken Kelly Olynyk's minutes that were a plus offensively and given them to Taylor Hendricks, which 1.0 to minus 0.6. That's a minus 1.6 swing. Ochai Abaji was a minus 0.5. So he's gone to Sensabaugh. He's about the same. And Fontecchio's minutes, it's not really clear who has those other than we're shifting them around. Keontae and some others picking up those minutes. And uh, Simone Fontecchio for the year is a 0.2, which is good for a guard player. All right, last 10 games, Chet Holmgren's the biggest, positive, most positive, impactful player in the league. The top 10 are Chet Holmgren, Giannis Adekumbo, Luka Doncic, DeAndre Hunter, Bradley Beal, Donovan Herbert, Herb Jones, Brad Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Chris Dapps, Anthony Davis, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, LeBron James in that group as well. The 10 most negative offensive players in the league that are actually playing minutes right now, Ish Smith, Russell Westbrook, Jalen Green, Tobias Harris, Robin, uh, he's not playing, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Johnny Davis, boy, that was a questionable pick, Matthias, Matisse Theibel, Jordan Poole, Cam Thomas, and Mikel Bridges, a surprise name in there. Uh, at a minus 2.6 for Utah Jazz players over the last 10 games to wrap up the show today on points gained. This could be ugly. I haven't looked at it. Colin Sexton is our best at a 1.4. That's super good for a guard. John Collins, 1.1. That's very good. Walker Kessler, 1.0. Lowry's down to 0.3. Bryce Sensabaugh's minus 0.3. Chris Dunn, minus 0.3. That's actually kind of even and fine. Taylor's minus 0.4. Keontae, minus 0.4. That's awesome. Keontae George is a first-year guard having a 10-game stretch that's right about league average is really good. Jordan Clarkson's a minus 2.4. That is points gained. That is Locked on Jazz. Thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy yourself. I'm in Miami, so I'm going to stop doing shows and go walk around in the heat and love it. Thanks so much. We now send you the first-ever 24-7 national sports channel. It's Locked on Sports today. Hey. 
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.